Welcome to La Mezcla Latina, where we discuss all things music, culture, career, and lifestyle regarding the Latinx community. I'm your host, Dominica, and I can't wait to chat in this week's episode. So sit back, relax, and get ready to learn more about La Mezcla Más Pura. Welcome back to another episode. Today I'm joined by Juan Ayala, who is a professional actor based in New York. You also are a writer and a podcast host, which we'll talk on later. But yeah, like tell us a little bit about yourself for everyone who doesn't know. Sure. Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Juan Ayala. Um, as Dominica mentioned, I am a professional actor uh, in New York City. Um, I've worked on a couple of different TV shows over the past couple of years, uh, one of them being a show on NBC called Blindspot, uh, which finally got its series finale uh, over the summer in the middle of COVID, um, which was really cool to see because we had filmed it pre-COVID and it really made me miss getting to act. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, most recently was in an episode of the series on ABC called For Life. It actually just aired a couple of days ago, which was really cool. And um, that was my first post or or during COVID gig, I guess. Um, okay. Uh, which is interesting that so many shows in the industry are um, they're rewriting their scripts to take place during COVID. So like in the show, people are wearing masks in certain scenes and all of that stuff. Like it's part of the story, which is really cool. Yeah, I saw that in Grey's Anatomy. I don't know if you watch it, but it's really cool to see that there, too. Yeah, it's just it's a little weird because it's like we watch TV to to escape from real life. And yeah, we're seeing real life and in, in everything. <laughs> it's following us everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, in addition to acting, um, I'm also a, a writer. I write for a website called Media Village and also have my own podcast called Actors with Issues, where I interview uh, the rising stars of TV, film, and Broadway. And um, yeah, grew up in a crazy, very loud and silly um, Salvadorian family in Connecticut. My parents both emigrated from El Salvador in the 80s. Uh, they met here. And, um, and, uh, yeah, here I am. It's a little bit about you. Yeah, that's really <laughs> awesome. So you just mentioned that you were living in Connecticut and then you moved to New mm -hmm. York. So how was it move like living in Connecticut? Cause I know you said that you lived in a very diverse kind of town and then you moved later on for a better school and everything. So how was that growing up? It was a little bit of a culture shock in a sense, because uh, I grew up in Bridgeport, which is a very, um, the vast majority of the population, um, is is my is minority groups, um, uh, okay. whether um, black, Asian, Latinos, Hispanics. Um, so there's lots of diversity. I mean, the, the food has always been a huge part of my life, and I've just always loved how much of a variety of food you could get like anywhere in in Bridgeport, which was really cool. It's like you know Jamaican restaurant or a Colombian place or um, a pupuseria, which is like the Salvadorian, the Salvadorian food. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, it was just really cool to to experience that. And then moving to a suburban town, which was literally, we moved like 10 minutes away, like right over the border from so not uh, that the city far. to the new town. No, not at all. It was, uh, yeah, it was literally like two miles that we moved. It was like barely anything, but, you know, you cross over the line to another town and you all of a sudden have lower taxes and uh, better schools and all of this stuff. Yeah. Um, and it was a very white town. I was one of the rather small handful of, of Latinos in the school. And um, it was like me, my sister, I had two cousins that are half Salvadorian and the other half is Polish. Um, Cause my uncle married um, a woman that was Polish. Um, and yeah, it was just, it was just a little weird 
just like the only places to eat were like delis and Italian and like the one Indian restaurant. I think that's it. <laughs> was it difficult making friends or anything just because you like, I don't know about you, but I kind of had the same story. And when I got into the school that was mainly like just a white population, I didn't really notice a difference until I started going to college. But now that I look back, I can see the difference in terms of like the resources and how I mm. like immersed myself in those like kind of groups. I mean, I was just generally a really shy and awkward kid. I was just this dork. I was a really dorky <laughs> little kid. Uh, I've just grown up to a nerd now. Um, but I mean, there was a little bit of that, um, you know, being in like a Spanish class and it's like, oh, he speaks Spanish. Say some stuff in Spanish. You know, it was just like, it's just, just a little weird. And, yeah. Say some stuff. And I'm like, oh, you're Italian. Do you speak Italian? Oh, interesting. Okay. You don't. Weird. <laughs> you Polish? No. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so, um, generally I was just a shy kid and I was only ever comfortable with family. And that's, I feel like just, just, that's a very ethnic thing. Sometimes if you're not yeah. an outgoing person in general, you're still very comfortable with family and you'll goof off with your cousins, but you with your cousins and you at school is a com two completely different people. Yeah. Um, that was definitely the case with me. Um, but you know, I eventually, you know, grind my shell, got involved in like the school choirs and started doing the musicals and the shows at school and just made friends that way, you know, rounded it back out to acting exactly how I got more, more social with people. Yeah. Acting. And that led kind of to your inspiration to pursue this acting career, correct? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I did my first show at age 12 and that was like my eighth grade year and then switched schools and really wanted to continue performing because it was really fun for me. I always grew up singing because of church. I was in a Spanish Pentecostal church. So any of my Pentecostals out there, y'all know how much we love our music. It was like 30 <laughs> minutes of music before anyone even opens a Bible. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, that was a very influential part of my life. music and food are like two of the biggest um, influences in my life and, and still who I am today. I love cooking. Um, my dad was a chef, so I grew up around that a lot. Um, but Going back, I, I go on a tangent is why I have a podcast too. <laughs> no <talking>. worries. Um, <laughs> but um, music led eventually to um, like performing on stage. And then um, once I was like applying for colleges, I was like, do I apply to do criminal justice? Because I wanted to like maybe be a lawyer. And then I just decided to go for theater arts because I went to um back to Bridgeport for college. So I was sort of re-immersed into that diverse multicultural environment that I had because mm -hmm. um, it was a community college. So it wasn't just people from Bridgeport, but people from like all the surrounding towns uh, would go there. And um, the theater program especially was was very diverse. And I always loved that. We got to do such really cool, diverse plays um, and different productions that I absolutely love doing. And that eventually led me to like pursuing on-screen stuff in New York, mm -hmm. um, which I never thought I would do. Cause I was always like, I'm going to be a Broadway star. Like I want to be like the lead in a Broadway musical. I'm like, I don't know. I've, cause there's that conception that if you want to, um, if you want to do anything involving like TV or movies, you have to go to LA, you have to go like to Hollywood, but yeah, that's in the New only York, place but, you'll make it right make it which is we'll get into that because that whole term is just a can of worms uh waiting to open um but you know it's that is 
such a misconception in general. There's so much mm -hmm. television that's filming in New York. Um, yes, it's a lot of theater and you could say it's maybe 50, 50, um, cause in LA there's not much theater. Yeah. Um, so if, uh, if someone in LA wants to be a Broadway star, they have to go to New York cause Broadway is in New York. New York. Yeah. Um, but for, for film and television, all that stuff, especially with how many streaming services are out now, like in the past five years, like the number of shows filming has like quadrupled. It's insane. With That's crazy. Between Netflix, Apple, Disney Plus, Amazon. Milo. Like, yeah. Yeah. All these different, all these different platforms are like making movies and shows and pumping new content out like every week. It's crazy. But I have a question. Just curious, bringing it back kind of to the beginning of your career. Were your parents very encouraging of you pursuing acting just because, you know, there's this conception of Latino parents wanting you to be either like a doctor or go down like the engineer route or things like that. Like were mm -hmm. they kind of open to you just doing your thing and, you know, trying to make it work? Absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> they were, um, cause you know, I was applying initially for, for criminal justice to, to possibly be a lawyer. And that's something that interested me also possibly being like a history teacher. Cause I was always into history and they're like, okay, teacher, lawyer, those are secure careers and jobs. Um, my sister is a year older than me. She was going into medical. So it's like, all right, thanks, Laylee, for that. Um, <laughs> setting me up for disappointment. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> um, and, you know, going into it, they were just like, I mean, at the time I was, while I was in college, I was working at a nursing home. So it's like I was still working while in school and all of that and still getting my education. You know, stuff to, no matter what you major in, you still have to take like English, math, history, yeah. all that stuff. Um, and then a point came where my grades were starting to slump because of my mental health. Um, and that was kind of like all of my grades, including theater. And my dad kind of took that as an opportunity to be like, see, you're not doing one well theater. You shouldn't be doing this. And I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, there's a lot going on up here. You don't know what's happening. Cause the uh, don't like to talk about mental health. Yeah. You're fine. Just be happy. You know, instead of you're depressed, you need to get help. Um, so uh, they were not very, there came a point where they just wanted me to pivot completely. My dad was like, look at, look into accounting. Uh, Cause my brother-in-law was doing accounting at the time or he's still an accountant mm -hmm. uh, today, but they wanted me to do that. They just like, just do something practical and, and, and go for something safer. And I really just didn't want to, I was, I was determined. I took an accounting class to appease my dad and ended up failing. Cause I'm horrible at math. Like why are an accountant of thing. all things? Not at yeah. all. Not at all. Yeah. So eventually they came around uh especially when my dad did a commercial with me because they needed oh, cool. father-son pairings it was for a father's day spot for sprint and my dad got hired that's very awesome yeah and he saw his paycheck and he was like oh okay so you guys get paid nice this is for a day and i was like yep <laughs> <laughs> so i'm sure that kind of helped your case yeah yeah and um just once i started um you know auditioning in new york and and started you know, just auditioning is okay. The opportunity is there. It's not like you're bad at what you do. Um, and they've, they've seen me perform. They not to toot my own heart, but they know I'm talented. And yeah. but it's, 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 it's beyond that because the most talented person in the world can still suck at the business side of show business, which is a whole other aspect. Yeah. yeah. And you said that you usually get like an addition once a week or every two weeks or something like that. How does that process work for people who aren't aware of, you know, how to get into acting or what your day to day mm -hmm. consists of? So it's a little tricky because like 
you know, there's the basics an actor needs to get mm -hmm. started. Um, you need your headshot because you have to send over a photo that looks like you don't don't face tune it to hell that you look like a Barbie doll or something, you know? Yeah. Um, and you know, the basics is like a headshot. You have to put together a resume, even if you don't have any credits. But like if you're in college, you can put your high school shows. If you're out of college, you can put the stuff you did in college, just like the more recent stuff. Mm -hmm. um, you have to get training. That seems like common sense, but there's a lot of young people out there who think like, no, I'm good at acting. I'm funny. I can't act. It's just reading lines. And I'm like, okay, but if I hand you nine pages to tape and send by tomorrow morning, are you going to have a process to, to do that? The technique? Yeah. Um, or some people have to ask you to cry on command. Do you know how to do that? Can you do accents? Do you speak other languages? Can you act in other languages? Wow. I speak Spanish very well, but I don't think I have the mental capacity to like memorize a script in Spanish because it's mm -hmm. one thing to to speak it to have a then conversation that's it. happening now but yeah to memorize yeah. it's like I'll do voiceover in Spanish <laughs> <laughs> reading the script I can read it <laughs> right um but you know the basics is um just you have to have the right material you have to know what you can play based off of what you look like not everyone can play a lawyer on tv or a doctor or the jock there's just certain it's yeah. a visual medium you have to look the part as well as be talented but the you have to look the part first because the people in charge of that whole process casting directors they are um the first thing they see when agents or managers submit their clients for a role whether it's one line or the lead of a movie or a show is a headshot so it's like, do they look the part? I always joke that it's kind of like um, Tinder, that they're like, yeah, they look the part. They look the part. Not terrible. Well, yep. this is like swiping. One second. Right. Yep. Right. And then it's like, then they have the people that look the part. And then, you know, they look at the resume. They look at their reel. If they have like a reel of of the, um, you know, their demo reel of with clips from the stuff that they've done and what they sound like. And then they give them the audition from there. So, I mean, you're competing against a couple thousand different people just for one role. One, you know, um, I think a casting director said that for one very small role on a show, it was like five lines, maybe like one scene, kind of like a throwaway character. Um, they had like 2,500 submissions. So wow. for you to then get an audition, because they only have X number of spots to give for auditions, it, that's a victory within itself. I'd say, like, okay, you have a good headshot. Your credits, you know, your resume speaks for itself. Your reel is good. Mm -hmm. um, but of course we get fixated and like, but I didn't book it. I didn't book it. And um, still a step ahead. Right. Exactly. We're always, always eyes on the prize. that's not there yet. And ignoring all the hurdles that are behind us. It's such a common thing. Yeah. You got to like celebrate the tiny wins that you get, you know, um, even just getting an agent or a manager um, is, is tough because they want you know, they have to make money because they get 10% of your, of your check if you book something. And if you're someone who doesn't have experience or good work ethic, or just doesn't fit into the industry, because if you're a very, very good looking person, you may not fit into the New York TV world. You have to go to LA where the people are gotcha. all very pretty. Mm -hmm. New York is very diverse. And if you watch like Law and Order, you know, the hot dog vendor looks like a hot dog vendor. He does. He's not like a model type yeah. person. Um, 
you know, shows like on Freeform or the CW, they're all just obnoxiously attractive. It's like everyone, <laughs> none of them, every single person, right, everybody, <laughs> every single person, even the extras are pretty like what? Yeah. <laughs> so what roles do you usually play? Um, I get cast a lot as a techie, mm-hmm. like the tech type of guy, the hipster, the whoever. Then so it's, I, I look the part, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> it's the yeah. glasses. <laughs> the glasses. Um, yeah. On, on blind spot, I played an FBI lab tech. Um, okay. And on for life recently, I played a reporter. So like without the glasses, when I'm in a suit, I look a little bit more professional and a little mm-hmm. hair product and whatever. Um, and the auditions I get generally like, um, I'm trying to think the recent ones, there's a couple medical shows and like legal shows filming here. So one of them was like as a juror, like as a young person that's on a jury for a legal show, I got auditioned for a nurse, for an anesthesiologist on a medical show. Um, I have an audition, <laughs> three auditions do this. This is the most I've ever had auditions like in a weekend. It's usually like one a week. And then I was just blessed yesterday. Um, That's awesome. Though. One's a voiceover, thankfully. So it's just, again, reading the paper in front of the mic, yeah. no memorizing, <laughs> no, <laughs> no acting to the camera. Um, one is for an orderly in like a hospital. Oh, so cool. I kind of get that a lot because just a young professional type of yeah. face, I guess. I don't know. Were there an, ever any roles that you kind of wanted that you never got or that you thought, like you we were talking about earlier, like if you don't look the mm-hmm. part, you're not going to be booked for it. Um, you know, a lot of Hollywood is just like making money. And if you're just not the type of person that mm-hmm. looks that part, they're not going to even look at you. So what yeah. was there ever like a disappointing moment for you for a role that you tried to get there's never been so the thing is before I got so I only signed with my my manager back in October but I'd been with them for like a trial period in since last May so not even a year yet okay um so I've only I've only consistently been auditioning for tv and film since then um before that I had an agent in Nashville and Atlanta because there's a lot of filming going on. Atlanta, like Tyler Perry Studios is down there and yeah. Marvel and, and Disney has some stuff going on there too, CW. Um, so it's not a lot that's going on. Um, so there just wasn't a lot going on for me. So I haven't, um, there haven't been too many roles that came my way that I'm like, dang, like, I really want that one. But there's one really cool one that I'm, that I was just like, oh, that'd be really cool to get the chance to do that. But I wasn't heartbroken over it because in my head, I was like, I'm not getting this. This is going to someone who's like a familiar face in TV. It was for a um, a series regular role, just meaning that you're in every episode of the show. Um, for season three of The Boys, it's like a really dark superhero show on Amazon. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the character was specifically Latino and he's supposed to be like, um midwest type Ooh. of farm boy and i was like oh like clark kent that's i've kind of gotten that with the glasses <laughs> and the hair but it's like i'm i don't i'm i'm clark kent without powers that's kind of there my brand it's like i don't right. have powers i'm not ripped and all that. um so that was just a really cool opportunity that came my way um last summer during covid that was like the first tape oh, cool. i did during covid and I had gone back to Connecticut for a few months because I didn't want to be in New York just by myself. I didn't yeah. have any of my equipment with me. So I was just scrambling, taping like white sheets to light bulbs to reflect light. And Making it work <laughs> and putting, with like, everything. In the back, right. I had to buy, buy a tripod really quick at Target for my phone. Um, 
but um, that would have been a really cool opportunity. Um, I have no idea who they actually cast yet because mm-hmm. they haven't announced it, but they started filming already. So I'm just, I'm curious who got it. Um, there's one actor who I was like, maybe he'll get it because he's Latino, he's good looking, he's in really, really good shape. Um, I don't know if you saw the Freeform show Party of Five. Yes, I did. I watched the whole thing. The older, the oldest brother, Brandon. Oh, yeah. Brandon Laracuente. When I was thinking like, because I can't think of like five young Latino actors and it's kind of heartbreaking mm-hmm. yeah you know there there is no latino equivalent to saoirse ronan or timothy chalamet or mm-hmm. a tom holland these like young stars they just don't exist and it's annoying and yeah, something that sad. i hope is fixed in the next couple of years i hope to be part of that movement um but i was thinking like who else would get cast like who's a young latino that would get cast like i'm like thinking back i'm like no nah, he's too old he's too old this guy's too old <laughs> it's like yeah you can't really so, think of that you know, many people no, have you sadly. ever watched um good trouble because i feel like they're trying to break I that have. barrier yeah, yeah. yeah i like that yeah, they try sure. to do that yeah they try and, and really i i applaud freeform and um in in networks like like freeform in the cw and in netflix for really sort of like leading the charge in in diverse storytelling yeah um like shows like bridgerton like super diverse and just really good quality stuff. But that's Shonda Rhimes. Like she's, you know, she did Grey's Anatomy and Scandal. She's, that's her thing. Are there any actors that kind of influence you or that you wish to work with or that kind of made you want to take this path in this career? Um, that made me want to take the path. The only, so I grew up, I'm a nineties kid. So I grew up watching and was obsessed with Spy Kids Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. so Antonio Banderas was like one of my heroes. I loved Zorro. I loved Spy Kids. Mm-hmm. When I was old enough, I'd watch like, you know, the Once Upon a Time in Mexico, which is this horribly gruesome movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was like a, a very, very Latino cast too. Um, like Eva Mendez was in it and Johnny Depp's not Latino, but he was in it. Um, and yeah, movies like, like Spy Kids really influenced me as a kid. I was like, oh my God, like this story about like this mixed latino family and robert rodriguez was the director and i was like just amazed with how how cool that movie was and yeah. seeing like i was the annoying little brother i was a junie so it's like you know <laughs> I, I i saw myself for for like the first time as a kid yeah um and i felt that all over again when i saw coco for the first time i was like oh my god like i see myself like as like a latino i see my family and and all that in, in that movie very powerful um, for sure yeah and in terms of I mean, some of my role models right now, it's like the holy trinity of Star Wars Latinos is um, uh, Gabriel Luna, mm-hmm. who was in Rogue One, which is one of the Star Wars movies. Um, Oscar Isaac is one of my biggest inspirations. Um, and Pedro Pascal, who's in The Mandalorian. Yep. Um, they're all in the Star Wars worlds, but they've had such great careers outside of that and before that. Um, but just their storytelling aspect and just their performances are so good. Oscar Isaac, especially just such a freaking good actor. Um, and he's a chameleon. He plays like all types of roles, all types of ethnicities. Um, he's so good with accents and, and just creating characters and, um, and yeah, the, the three of them for sure. And then there's like, um, I mean, I just love Zendaya. She's such a, can I swear on here? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> She's such a badass. She's just such a badass. Like she, uh, me and my boyfriend recently watched Malcolm and Marie and it was just, she just killed it. That movie, she just 
Yeah, I watched it last week. Both stars were great, but she just like nailed it. She, that one moment, I'm not gonna spoil anything, but that one moment, like toward the end, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. with the, yep. that, that moment, I was just like, okay, all right, she's bringing it. Homegirl wants an Oscar nomination. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Like so, it's just so great. And I, she's such a dynamic person too. Like Euphoria and mm-hmm. everything. Like all her different yeah. roles. She didn't get stuck yeah. with that whole group of people that got. I want to say grouped with Disney. You know, she grew from that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. She definitely broke beyond that. And I'm so happy she did. Um, I love her in the Spider-Man movies. Tom Holland's one of my favorite actors. Um, and in that franchise also is uh, Tony Revolori, who plays um Flash in, in that. Um, Flash Thompson, like the bully, but he's like the snobby rich kid bully. Yeah. Also, Latino. A lot of people don't know that. They, they. I, um, I didn't know he's, that. Uh, he's of an indigenous background, so okay. a lot of people think he's like um, Indian because mm-hmm. uh, he's been cast as that before. Um, but yeah, he's Guatemalan. Like <laughs> you would, you'd never uh, think that. But he's um, he's a, a young actor that I really admire um, for the wide range of, of of roles that he's done already. It's like 25, I think. Wow, um, that's amazing. Yeah. Are there any things that kind of, I don't know, I'm just thinking sometimes, you know, you have to put your boundaries and be willing not to like either play a role or anything. In any work field, you have to say no to things. Um, are there any things that you would be like, I'm not playing that role. I'm not like if it's very stereotypical or things like mm. that. Do you have like your, I guess, your boundaries in terms of acting? So one of my biggest goals as a Latino actor is to be able to increase positive representation for Latinos, not just overall representation. Like we don't need more shows about drug dealers, please. It's done. We're bored. Let's move on. Like it's the we don't same need thing another over and over. It was cool. Gabriel Luna was great. All these actors are great. Something new, please. <laughs> yeah. There are other historical figures in Latino history that we can make shows with or shows mm-hmm. about and movies about, um, you know, so that's a big goal of mine. I mean, I, according to Hollywood and to casting directors in general, I don't look stereotypically Latino either, at least in their image. When they think Latino, there's an image in their head and mm-hmm. I don't match that image. It's my voice. It's my cadence. Maybe it's the hair, the glasses, my overall demeanor. Right. It's a, a variety of things. So I would never get an audition for like a drug dealer or a gang member who is typically Latino. Mm-hmm. So I've never had to turn something down because of the content of the role. Um, I've never, I mean, not that I've ever been offered anything to turn down, but I've never gotten an audition for a role like that. Um, thankfully, uh, I'm very grateful that that's the case, that I can sort of be a little chameleon and sort of do different things. Um, but if it did come my way, I would just politely tell my manager, I do not want to play drug dealer or criminal. I don't mm-hmm. want to audition for these roles because it's not putting Latinos in a good light. Yeah. Um, whether that gets to, to the writers of the show and they think maybe we should rethink this, probably not. Yeah. Um, but I hope that with everything that's happened in the past year in the past five years with things like the black lives matter movement and the immigration issues in the country and all of that stuff that the writers who are not just the writers because it's like the writers write the script there that's their job but they get that assignment from like producers and the studio executives the people at the very top if they're not thinking how all of us are about increasing positive representation with movies like like uh like black panther we don't have a latino superhero 
Yeah. We have a couple Latino actors playing superheroes, but they're playing like aliens and like uh, Zoe Saldana. I love her, but she's playing yeah. green alien. Yeah. You know, it's and, not like um, a dedicated Latino actor right. superhero. Like we don't have an equivalent of Black Panther. Um, yeah. Come to, we even just in comic book history, there's not that many Latino superheroes written. There's like El Dorado, which I'm like Jesus, what is like what? <laughs> you don't even <laughs> hear that super, name. Exactly. You're like yeah. who? Um. And he literally looks like a luchador. Like I remember from like the old, old DC cartoons, like the Justice Friends and all that. He was part of it, but it's like he was in like a gold. He it looked like gold, like a speedo basically, and a red yeah. cape. And he was just brown. And I'm like, do you guys even think for this character? But we'll get into no that. time for them. <laughs> right. He was barely in the show to begin with. It was Batman, Superman. You know, they were the stars of the show. Yeah. Um, but um. It's just, it has to start at like the top level of, of mm -hmm. keeping those things in mind and green lighting projects and, and approving projects that are doing that, that are moving the needle in the right direction for positive representation. And if someone else comes to saying, I want to do this crime thriller about this big like um, drug dealer from the seventies in Colombia, it's like, ah, eh, we're fine. We did that already. Were there any movies growing up that you watched that kind of, you saw this positive light? of Latinos in. I'm just thinking of one that popped into my head. Um, I don't know if you've watched it, Mi Familia. It has, it's a kind of old and it has mm. Jennifer Lopez, all of those people. Um, what's that lady's name? The wife of George Lopez in the show. Like they have a lot of well-known oh, actors. Yeah. yeah, they have a lot of well-known actors. I've heard of it, I haven't seen it though. Yeah, it's a good watch yeah. because it touches a lot of like the, on the Mexican American history in the US, but mm. I'm thinking back and I'm like, that's the only really like movie that has Latino characters that talks about like the Latinx history, but like no one mm -hmm. else. Did you ever have that growing up? Like that one movie? Um, that one movie, nothing comes to mind, but I mean, me and my cousins loved Selena. Yeah. And the movie, and there's that scene in the bus where the dad is like, you have to be twice as a uh, Mexican for the Mexican, you have to be twice as American for the Americans. It's exhausting. And I'm like, wow, uh, growing up, you're hearing that. You're like, wow, he's not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Especially in entertainment. It's like, you have to be like, you know, I feel like I've heard actors say before, like, oh, like give us a little more, like a little more spice mm -hmm. when they're auditioned. They're like, what? What do you oh mean? With and it's like, you know exactly what they mean. Yeah. You're not quite Hispanic enough in your portrayal, whatever that means, you know? But yeah, it's, um, I'm trying to think it's of a tough. couple other movies. I mean, just, Spy Kids was one. I didn't touch on anything historical or anything, but just like positive family friendly representation was like Selena, Spy Kids, and the, uh, the I mean the George Lopez show. Growing up watching that, I was like, it's so funny. For and sure. He was such uh, like a trailblazer during that time. He was one of the few like Latinos on network TV mm -hmm. with like his own show. Um, yeah, as the I mean, main of course, character. I grew up watching reruns and like right exactly. If, if not as just like the funny neighbor it's like nope the whole family the whole cast except for the daughter who was not latina she was like albanian or something i don't remember i learned that recently i was like wait what it's so <laughs> like, weird because growing up you think she is yeah because you're like oh latinos look like that latinos are white like latinos mm -hmm. are black they're brown they're indigenous they're you know mixed like it's yeah it's we're the kind of the only ones that have that experience of having such diversity just in our culture of of people coming from from like everywhere and all types of you know walks of life
Yeah, what I like about that show is also that they are actually speaking English, you know? A lot of people are so shocked sometimes. <laughs> and just, like, from hearing conversations with friends or other people, like, random strangers, I just can't believe that a lot of people think this, like, representation of, like, um, Sofia Vergara is, like, the representation, like, can barely mm -hmm. speak English, has this accent, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad it wasn't. Um... Oh, and also another show, One Day at a Time. One of my favorites. Oh, I miss I that show it. so much. That show had such bad luck. It was like canceled on Netflix and then went to Pop TV and got canceled there and then moved to CBS and then got canceled again. Canceled. It's like, Jesus, like such a great show though. Such a beautiful uh, multicultural family and, and different like message and lesson you'd learn every every episode yeah and they talked a lot about like taboo topics too like mm -hmm. mental health like the lgbtq yeah. community i yeah. really love that that was very big for for me um seeing that because you know um latinos are also just generally very religious so generally anti-lgbtq plus um yeah. so that was tough uh dealing with that being a part of such a religious family and then eventually coming out. Mm -hmm. Um, and also like, um, it bothers me a little bit when on certain shows, the Hispanic parent will say like mijo or mija every three seconds. Cause not every Latino does that. Some people do, but it depends on the generation. If they, it's, it's, it's kind of an immigrant thing. The Spanglish is like, they learned both, but then like their grandkids are going to speak perfect English. And if you taught them perfect Spanish, they're not going to be sort of jumping in and out. Um, but at the same time, it's like, we change how we speak depending who we're with. Always. When I'm Always. at work, I sound very different. When I'm on a podcast, I sound very different. When I'm talking with my family or whatever, my slight urban roots pop up in how I talk. And um, yeah. If I'm talking with my aunts and uncles, my Salvadorian accent comes out on my Spanish. <laughs> it's really funny because <laughs> otherwise it's, it's like very code proper. switching. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So what kind of led you to start your own podcast? I know you just mentioned you have your mm -hmm. different podcast voice, but <laughs> what, what made you start it and how is it going? Um, so I, uh, as I mentioned, I was a writer for, for Media Village. And for those, I got a couple opportunities to go out to L.A. for a press tour um, as part of like the press group for that. And we would after every panel, it's, it's basically like a comic con, but all of the networks were like announcing their new shows. Oh, so cool. they'd show a trailer, the cast would be there on the stage and they'd ask questions. They'd open up the floor to ask questions for like the, the journalists. And then they'd have like, not even five minutes after the panel, the actors would come out and we'd get like that little, we'd ask a question and get that sound bite, get that quote for the article. Mm -hmm. I got to talk with people like John Stamos, who like I grew up watching and like yeah. at other events, like um, the cast of, um, yeah, the hair, the, have mercy. You know? <laughs> um, <laughs> and then um, there the cast of a CW show with Lucy Hale. Oh, uh, Pretty Little Liars. No, more recently. It's, um, what is that show called? I don't remember. Uh, it didn't last long, sadly. It was only it was only on for for um for one season. Um, Is it where she gets cancer? Um, no, I know what Sherry's talking. Katie Keene, my boyfriend just popped it up on his phone. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. Katie Keene. It's a CW show. It's a spinoff of Riverdale. Um, that it was literally like two years ago. It ran for one season. It just didn't get the audience that they wanted, sadly. Um, but you know, I've gotten to interview like those people, but it's like, you're with other journalists. It's not an actual conversation. It's just a quick question and you 
tape your response and you put that in your quote in your in your article or whatever. Um, but I'm just like, I want to talk to these people and really get and it's like I have the double perspective as a writer and as an actor, being on like the publicity side and then on the talent side of the industry. Like I just wanted to get their perspective and get to know like how exactly get to know how they started and it was like um some young stars like i met the cast of one day at a time i got to interview rita moreno for like a second and it was one of the highlights of my life she is such such an icon yeah oh my god such a trailblazer in real life which is so funny (laughs) (laughs) but like i interviewed um marcel um ruiz and i got to interview the creator of the show um gloria calderon kellett and um but again, I like I want with Marcel, I wish I got to talk with him more about like, how did you start as an actor? Because you're like 16 years old and you're yeah. a series regular on a Netflix show. Like, how did this start for you? Was it and mind you, he did get into it a little bit, um, but I just wanted to have longer conversations in casual conversations, not where other people are asking questions and, and, and all like this they're stuff. being bombarded with a bunch of stuff. Right. And then it's like their 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 managers like, hey, we got to go. You have, you know, the car is waiting for, you know, it's like they're being pulled in all these different directions. Um, so I just wanted to have those longer, casual, in-depth conversations with actors. So I started to reach out to actor friends of mine who have booked network TV or booked films and um, just start those conversations with them. And it's I started it during the pandemic because I finally had the time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wasn't working nearly full time and auditioning and, uh, you know, trying to have some semblance of a social life. Um, you know, when you're burnt out, the last thing you want to do is try and book someone and have an hour long conversation and then edit and then promote it on Instagram and, and all this other it stuff. All. Yeah. Right. Because you're a one man team. I'm sure you do everything yourself. You know, yep. it's, we can't afford to hire an editor <laughs> to make our lives easier or a yeah. booker. Um, so yeah, it's, um, our 36th episode just went up. Um, so we've basically been doing them weekly and I've got to have such great conversations with actors, um, trying really hard to highlight my Latinos, but you know, I reach out to people through Instagram and their DMS, some settings goes over to requests, or if they have a somewhat large following, they're not going to get my message, but it's, um, have just had such cool conversations with people. Um, some of the my most recent guests um roman zaragoza he is native american mexican and japanese so he talks about like the very multicultural background and that's a good mix yeah and how he was told like when he was younger as a kid actor because his dad is an actor and he started um roman started very young how at one point he was up for a role to play the younger version of an existing character in the show and he didn't get it. And he was curious as to why. And his agents told him, Oh, casting said you didn't look Asian enough. And he's like, mm. what? That, but I am like, it, That's it's just crazy. Like, again, the, the stereotypes, like there's one image of what someone looks like, you know, mm-hmm. like, um, it's just, it's, it's crazy. It's, um, but, uh, you know, just going back, back to my show, it's just so many wonderful conversations and insightful conversations about stuff that we might not even think about and the whole process of, of, of being an actor yeah. and 
the difference between LA and New York because some of my guests have been on both coasts and and juggling that and yeah I I like that that's really interesting to hear especially because we like we mentioned in the beginning um you don't really like make it make it you know there's I feel like there's like a small percentage of people that are such well-known actors that leave like such a historical Mm -hmm. you know presence behind but um yeah I mean I know you said you didn't really like that term make it like what's your perspective on that well, just because it's entirely subjective. Success is subjective. Mm-hmm. If an actor, you know, the out the vast majority of actors, those who are in it for the long haul, the goal is to be to reach like the, the the inner industry status of a working actor, which simply means that your entire living is made from acting. Yeah. For a lot of us, that's not the case. If you book three co-star roles co-star meaning those are kind of like the one-liners or just the very small roles um on a show you're making like a couple thousand dollars and after taxes and then you got to pay your agent intermediary 10 percent each you know you're not making that much money so you basically the goal for most is to be like a series regular to be on a show and to be a character that's in every episode Mm -hmm. um whether you're the lead or not depends Um, but there's plenty of characters on like, you know, law and order who are not like, you know, they're not Benson. They're not Mariska's character. Yeah. Um, but they're on every episode. Um, so just the term making it and, and success in general is just so subjective. People think that like, oh, like you get your star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. You've made it. You win the Golden Globe or the Emmy. You've made it. It's like, there's plenty of actors who you would not bat an eye at if you saw them walking down the street who make their entire living off of acting they've reached that goal that they want you know they are fulfilled and they have that financial stability they can have a family comfortably without worrying like oh my god auditions and my headshots and my agents and oh my god my manager dropped me and all of this other stuff yeah and for me like sure if i got to be in a marvel movie in the future that'd be cool if i got to be a latino superhero That'd be cool. That'd be cool. Yeah. If I won, uh, if I was one of the few Latinos to win an Emmy, that'd be cool. Um, there literally hasn't been like a Latino acting Emmy award winner in like 20 years. Forever. Um, yeah. You know, that's all, that's all just like the accolades. That's like the extra stuff. But for me, it's just, I just want to be on a really cool show. Yeah. <laughs> for, and just keep for doing several it. years. Yeah. Right. It sounds like it's more of just kind of fulfilling that passion that you have rather than what the outcome is from it. Right. Well, I have a question that I ask everyone at the end of the show, and it's more Mm -hmm. like um, talking about your your Latin roots. So first, what is your favorite food? And two, if you have a favorite Latino artist um, or singer or anything in that in that realm. Um, Yeah, take your time. (laughs) Food, pupusas, hands down. Salvadorian national dish pupusas are life. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Very well known here. Are you? Where are you? I'm in, are you in, I'm, in, I'm in DC. So there's a lot of Salvadorian. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Salvadorians are everywhere. I feel like everywhere that I know a Salvadorian, like, oh, there's a lot of Salvadorians there. I'm like, why? 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 <laughs> <laughs> How did we just end up there? Like, my family of all places to, sh- to emigrate from El Salvador, they went to Connecticut. Like, what? Why? Yeah. <laughs> um, I've heard that in Long Island, there's lots of. Salvadorians and in Queens and all that, but yeah, Queens has like a mixture of everyone. Yeah, yeah, Queens that big globe that's known in Queens is like accurate because it's literally they have everybody. Yeah. Um, but for, I was very lucky that so my aunt ran her own pupusería for years, and every weekend would be like pupusas. We're going to my tia's house and we're gonna get mm. some pupusas, and then. As she got older, it just became hard for her to keep running it. So she would kind of just make it for like family parties, or it would be like 
the family's coming over while having a pool with us or whatever. Yeah. And then I moved out uh, two years ago. And when I moved to Brooklyn in my neighborhood on the walk to work, they had just opened the Pupu City. I was like, are you kidding wow, me? This is a godsend. Yeah. yeah. So I got to introduce my boyfriend to pupusas. He'd never had them before. Um, Do you have a favorite type? I, I mean, I'm boring and I like just cheese, but. <laughs> um, I like chicharron with cheese. Okay. Um, with a side of like uh, refried black beans. A lot of people mm-hmm. don't do that. Do they, do they do the red sauce or the curtido? But I do the the black beans, just dip it in there. Oh, oh I'm salivating right now. Good mixture. I'll uh, <laughs> <laughs> do keep that um, in mind. And as far as an artist, I mean, I'm boring. I listen to podcasts constantly. I don't listen to music um, like that. When I'm working out, I'm listening to like a health and fitness podcast. When I'm I, I'm obsessed with Clubhouse now too. Like, there's lots of really cool like entertainment Talks. industry rooms. Yeah. With like casting directors and 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 like actors and stuff. So I've been on like listening to that stuff on like my walks to work. Um, dang, I can't think of of an artist. I mean, Bad Bunny's pretty dope. He's also super cute. So yeah, yeah. he's he's <laughs> the top red top one right now. But I actually yeah. I know that you mentioned that there wasn't really any like Salvadorian like singers that have made it or anything like that, which is kind oh, of interesting. I wasn't yeah. I haven't like really thought about that until I read mm-hmm. your response, which was kind of yeah. like I don't and know. I totally forgot that I wrote that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> does that ever like irk you or anything? I don't know. I mean, I'm sure with any representation, when there's like a lack of it, it's annoying, but. Uh, I mean, it, it does bother me because, but that's also like, oh, so the entertainment industry just doesn't exist. Like there are no Salvadorian novelas. There's, you know, there, it's such a tiny country. That's also the thing. It's twice the size of Connecticut. It's very small. A lot of campo, not mm-hmm. a lot of big cities. Um, and there's just a lot of violence there right yeah. now because of like the MS-13 and has been like that for a while. And before that was like the war, which is why my parents fled the country in the first place. Um, so it does bother me a little bit to, to answer your question, but it's also like the industry is non-existent there. So I'd like to be the one of the first like known Salvadorian American actors or, or whatever. Um, and um, you know, when we think of like Mexico, like Mexico is huge. Of course they have their own industry because they're massive. Mm-hmm. Um, you also have to think about like the mm-hmm. history from those countries because a lot of uh, mm-hmm. like the South American countries just don't have that much of an impact in the American culture. But, you know, for example, right. for Me- like Mexico, it makes sense. Yeah. And um, yeah, we're just this random little country plopped in the middle of Central America. Like nobody... <laughs> People never guess, oh, you're Salvadoran. Oh, you must be Salvadoran. Like, no, no one's ever, they think first Mexican, Puerto Rican, Colombian. Those are like the top three. Oh, really? That people choose. I mean, I really get Hispanic to begin with. I get Filipino. I've gotten like Middle Same. Eastern, Greek, Turkish, all of that, you know. Yeah, everyone always <laughs> thinks I'm like Asian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which again, just shows the 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 many different um, like looks and, and, and types of Latinos and Hispanics that, that we have. We're, we're from all over the place. Of course. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for coming on. Do you want to tell everyone where they can catch your podcast on or what's it called? Yes. So uh, thank you for having me firstly. Thank you so much. Um, and yeah, you guys can find my podcast. Um, it's called Actors with Issues. You can find it on Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. It's everywhere. Um, 
And if you, and also our Instagram is actors with issues at actors with issues. And uh, my personal one is Juaniala official in case I ever become famous. I want that official. Official my always. Name, <laughs> it. Then yeah. you're going to get your little blue check. <laughs> <laughs> you get verified. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but thank you so much, Dominica, for having me on. This is great. That's going to be it for today's episode. Again, thanks so much for listening. Please make sure you follow us on Instagram at Mezcla Latina Pod. That's P-O-D. And again, don't forget to tune in every Wednesday for a new episode to learn more about La Mezcla Más Rica.